Everybody. Welcome to Growing with Fishes podcast, episode 297. Um, it has been a wild day, you know, a bit of technical issues and some other stuff, but we finally got the show started uh, <laughs> a little bit later than normal, but uh, sometimes that's how it works out. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Um, today, we have uh, Mike from Hexacart. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Thank you for having me on. It's awesome you guys are doing this and how long it's been going and all the crazy guests that you guys have had on. We also have our co-host, Marty. How's it going, Marty? Hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> Pretending to pay attention. No, yeah. <laughs> pay attention to my own show. No, I just had to come yeah. out the door. So trying to, trying to coordinate shit, that's all. We have a barbecue coming up this weekend. So that's going to be fun, fun. Just cutting some shit up. Mike just finished uh, building us a, a pool cover, working on our greenhouse. So we appreciate him for that. Also, uh, anybody that's been following the podcast or checking out the, the greenhouse, that's all Mike's handiwork in terms of 95% of the construction. Uh, the 5% that's fucked up is the stuff I did, just FYI. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, thanks, Mike, and welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks for employing my bum ass, because <laughs> I'm pretty much broke most of the time when I'm working for you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Anytime. Yeah. So, yeah, I understand you, uh, you got a website that you're launching, right? You're working on some hemp-derived products? So we're trying to start an e-commerce website. You mentioned it was hexacart.org. And we started with sobs and tinctures and some vape products, which are a little on the edge of the legal, you know, illegal side. If you keep, you know, we're going to keep selling the vape products, but a lot of the regulation is like really limiting what states we can ship to or even shipping batteries at all. So really we're starting to focus more on um, whole, you know, wholesale psychoactives or phytocannabinoids like CBD isolates or CBD oils or, other products like conversions like Delta 8, 10, or, you know, you know, HHC, which is like, you know, it's hydroxinated version of THC. Instead of a full conversion, you're just adding on to it instead of full conversion down the line. Because, you know, CBD and CBG can be converted into almost every cannabinoid in the plant that are usually hard to to get or concentrate because there's so little of it in the plants, you'd have to waste so much product to get that little bit out of there and concentrate it. But it's efficient to start converting it from CBD or CBG, very similar to the process that goes down inside the plant, but with a catalyst and with heat and a solvent inside of a closed condition, like a, a reactor or refluxing it with a solvent. And it causes that that natural, you know, conversion to happen that happens in the plant, but inside of a closed environment, a lab environment. So that, that happening allows it to be on the edge of, you know, legal federally because of the, the farm bill and other federal laws that allow us to sell it, you know, state to state, there's regulations for a lot of these psychoactives, like Oregon's putting a blanket ban on store shelves and general sale of it, but they're still allowing people to ship it out of their hemp facilities to other states. So I'm, 
I'm going to start operating actually as a business out of other states that are more legal and less regulated for these, you know, psychoactives. So I'm, I'm basically focusing on wholesale psychoactives, phytocannabinoids, and um, retail products like sobs. And these, these are dirty because we've given, we're using them so much like CBD tinctures, you know, like this is some CBD isolate. And then like we have various Delta eight, 10 and other products, you know, this is, has terpenes in it already because that was like a recent order we got and we sell different mixes of these products together in grams or ounces, or I have a, a wholesale distributor that can send someone a hundred liters and I, I'd make a cut off the website. But really we're just doing like a little podcast too. We started up trying to educate people and set up a business that my girlfriend, who's a, a at-home mom while I work has something to do as you know, it's an e-commerce business from home. And then the warehouse that I work with stores most of the product and we store some at home that she can just take it and ship it. And if we get a larger order, they drop ship it right from the warehouse here in Medford area in White City, actually. So it's pretty convenient the way it's set up for my girlfriend who's at home mom and I can still go do other work. And as it grows, um, we're already looking to get into a business in South Africa and in um, Thailand through another partner that vits, visits the United States a lot and has, you know, businesses and land in both those places. And they both have, you know, regulation going on for hemp and CBD. And it's it's pretty exciting because as the market for CBD started to crash, everyone that, you know, is into the fibers and herd and long-term trying to figure out how to make it, you know, real medicine, real products that are into it for, for what it actually is about. What made America great is when hemp was really blowing up in the early days, it's starting to come back and all the people that are in it just for the money are starting to drop off. And the, all the other thousands of uses that there is for it are starting to come out. And as that happens, I want to expand into you know those kind of businesses, selling hemp paper and things like that too, or large barrels of hemp oil to distributors and different hemp products as well. Very cool. Um, I wanted a quick mention too. Um, well, we normally do this in the beginning and we just kind of uh, mistime things a little bit in the beginning. Uh, uh, be sure to check out as well, apmjclass.com. Marty and I have a whole full-length aquaponic cannabis class. We have a bunch of new info going into that uh, in the next uh, week or two as I finish getting the rest of it uploaded. Um, and we'll also have a new uh, a new course available at thepestclass.com, thepestclass.com. Uh, we'll have our aqu uh, aquaponic and living soil pest class available um, next week. Uh, so again, just finishing uploading everything. Uh, also, if you guys are interested in Oklahoma, come out to the Supernatural Conference the last weekend of July. Um, Wendy Kornberg, uh, will be there. Um, uh, she was on our show last night, uh, Chris Trump, myself, Ben Acadia, uh, Drant Serviera, uh, Dan Kittredge, um, Kevin Jodry, uh, Susan Wainwright Evans, uh, Jana Beckerman and a whole bunch of other people will be there. So it's going to be a good time. Uh, definitely come check it out. Uh, and lastly, uh, with our, um, a house cleaning. Uh, we have our uh, Myceliate the Festival will be in Washington, uh, August 19th, 20th, and 21st. I'll be speaking there with Chris, uh, Chris Trump, uh, Cass Posey, uh, Dustin Powers from Future 4200. Uh, Matt Powers will be there. He's a big regenerative guy. Uh, Catherine Seidman, Molly from Molly's Bottle Shop, and a bunch of other awesome people. So definitely uh, come check that out. 
that's a pretty awesome lineup you have there. That's that's awesome. Those, those are some great people. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a good time, and it's gonna be kind of like my summer vacation. Uh, uh, going out to that, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I did want to mention too for people that don't know the history of what he's talking about with the CBD conversion. Um, the very first book that had it published uh, as far as mm-hmm. CBD converting to other things is a book called Cannabis Alchemy: The Modern Art of Modern Hash Making. Um, was first published in 1971 uh, and is a, a really, really good book. If you haven't uh, got a chance to, uh, if you, you know, DM me, I'll send you a copy if you're really stuck. Uh, I don't I don't think it's in print anymore, but uh, I do have a digital version of it uh, as well as a paper copy. So uh, if you do see one of these at an event, definitely snap up the paper copy. There aren't many. I've seen people with them, but I've never seen one for sale, sadly. I would have snatched it up. Oh, yeah. Um, so do you want to uh, tell people about some of the different compounds? I know you have quite a few on there. Um, uh, maybe start off with HHC, because I think a lot of people have never heard of that. Um, and uh, I've never I've never heard of CBNO. I think that almost scares me uh, in terms of what I know that drug uh, CBN can do. Uh, oh, but, yeah, it but, can affect your heart quite a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh uh, HHC, uh, I think a lot of people haven't had a chance to get educated on that. Let's start with that one. Basically, you know, all the other ones that are really popular, most of them are a conversion. They're, they become something different. Um, but basically, it was first created in 1944. And when it was made, it it was made to try to make it have a longer shelf life and extend you know, you know, THC decarboxylates just by age or ox- oxygen exposure and all kinds of things. And it, it didn't need to be made from hemp. They just wanted to make THC have a, like a longer shelf life. So hexahydrocannabinoid or cannabinol HHC is basically a hydronation and it, it isn't lim- limited to cannabinoids or ca- cannabis production. It's like the similar process to convert vegetable oil to margin. And it's, it's really simple. They just take like a catalyst and they put a catalyst in the solvent and heat it, and then they clean it up after the conversion happens. And then basically you have a crude that's HHC and you distill the HHC after you cleaned it up of all the solvents you can out of your crude. And then most people would distill it again or run it through some kind of chromatography system to pull out the CBD, CBN, and CBG that's left over to make make it pure HHC so that the shelf life is longer. So crystallizations don't happen. So it can stay kind of almost on the liquid side when warm so that it doesn't just turn hard. And it, it's really a simpler process. But if laboratories do it wrong or, you know, these smaller producers are doing it wrong because these chemicals like the, the nickel is a catalyst you could use. It's food grade. But if you don't use it correctly, you can create byproducts and create reactions that these byproducts are really hard to clean from the final product and it makes a really bad product. So you want to have, you know, COAs that are recent and some of the COAs now they're attaching cryptocurrency NFTs to that have an NFT on the blockchain that every time the lab test is done or modified by the lab, it's done by the original creator. It would be on the blockchain showing it and then NFTs attached to that test. So those are like the best tests you can get, but there's tests you just call the lab and ask when it was actually done. Cause they'll oft, often change the date on the test and you'll scan a QR code on the product and a test will come up and it's not even really the right date. You want to check the date. They'll just keep changing the date in Photoshop because it's cost them 200 to you know $150 or sometimes cheaper, but sometimes more expensive too. So they're trying to save and they just like slap the same old test with a new date on it on the new product or new batch of products. So just make sure 
that your tests you know get from whatever company you're buying from are good and recent and then HHC really is similar to THC, if not in some cases stronger, especially if eaten. So if, if you're solvent free, you know, free of byproducts from making it, from creating the hydrogenation of it, then it's safe to eat, safe to smoke. And I've been using quite a bit of it. So we're out recently, we're about to get another liter or two of it. When I can afford to buy a lot more, I'm going to buy 10 or so liters because D8 is going to become so heavily regulated. The states that don't put a blanket ban on all phytocannabinoids that are converted from hemp products are going to um, end up saying D8 is banned and D10 is banned and HHC is going to be one of the last ones they ban. So it's allowing us to, to reach people that want to use these products and are going to be able to avoid these bans for a while. That's why we're focusing on HHC too. Also, the shelf life of HHC is months and months versus the Delta 8 and 10 starts to turn red and amber and convert. And in my opinion, when you, the red stuff, when you eat it or smoke it, it makes you tired. So I'm not sure the exact science behind it because it's still Delta 8. It's just something to do in the, in the, the process of it, of it, you know, the, the oxygen and exposure, the heat is just like, even though it's already fully converted, something about the red product is just a whole different, you know, experience and high. Um, but generally HHC is safer because the process is, is shorter and easier to do. Um, so lots more labs are going to start, I think, focusing on that. But if that answers any of your questions. Yeah, I think it's just something that a lot of people haven't had a chance to be exposed to much unless you're really kind of in the more hardcore end of the industry and uh, something that people want to get educated on them. I, I forgot. Go I forgot. I want to add one thing is the reason they started making HHC is because when they separate THC from CBD and you have all this leftover THC to make a state regulated product that has to be below the THC level, they needed something to do with it. Well, the conversion allows them to use that product. And then it started to become popular enough and the demand now, especially on the East Coast and Midwest, that they started making it on purpose. They convert <coughs> CBD to the THC to the HHC. So you can convert Delta 8 to it too through certain processes. So I'm not a lab tech. I'm an extraction like I'm a guy that pull, I'm like an extraction artist. I'm a guy that pulls valves and makes oil and does some some you know chromatography work and some um, distillations and stuff. But this stuff I I leave to labs and I buy it with COAs because if I experiment with this, I'm experimenting with people's health. And I, I only stick with like the most reputable labs with multiple COAs from multiple third parties that are very recent because of that. Because this is a chemical process, even though it's organic chemistry and it happens in the plant you can get really bad byproducts from it and make people sick if you do it wrong at all. So it's not something I want to do unless we had like a GMP certified lab with actual lab techs that went to college and know everything about reactions and what could happen and could not versus me trying to figure it out. And like I said, experimenting with people's health. So right now we currently don't produce any of this and we plan to open up a hemp farm, but HHC is our focus in terms of phytocannabinoids that we'll sell. Awesome. Um, another one I'd love for you to talk about, because um, I don't think we really talked about it much other than the military references, um, is um, THCO. So that's also uh, first published in that same book that we were just talking about, the hash making with the CBD conversion, also has THCO in it. So they have the THC acetate and the, the whole conversion process in there um, and the different uh, components. Um, some of the precursors can be quite a Hard to come by, I'll put it that way, um, but uh, it definitely can be done. Do you want to talk about THCO and, and CBNO since um, they're definitely, I guess, very chemical, oh, 
in many ways very different from the others. The spiritual cannabinoid, or like a lot of people are calling it. So a lot of people are claiming it, you know, it it releases DMT molecules within your own body, or it gets you kind of high on your own chemicals more than a lot of the other cannabinoids, or maybe causes a release or an opening of your receptors and a release of a lot of your normal cannabinoids besides people are saying maybe DMT releases, maybe you're getting high on your own cannabinoids so heavy and so quick, but some people are saying they blast it off on large amounts of it or small amounts of it is like a psychedelic like LSD trip, but you're more aware, you know, you have less of a body high and, and more in the head than LSD is like LSD, you lose bodily function if you keep using it. This is a little harder to overdose on unless you're eating it and eating it is more like a normal thc effect they say smoking large amounts of it or taking large dabs hotter dabs of it ends up being almost like a dmt like experience but basically it it's like usually 10 to 15 percent less than the other products in terms of concentration so that's 10 to 15 sometimes 20 percent other stuff that's in it so that's like the main concern about it i try to try to get stuff in the higher percentage and it's getting really, really hard to get a supplier. So I don't even stock it right now. Um, and basically it's not legal in, in a lot of the States now too. And it's made in a similar process, but like you said, precursors are really hard to get, or some of the, the catalysts that you would want to get are reactive to the air. So like literally you open the container and if they sit too long in the air, they'll just light on fire the reactive catalysts that are really so that appear that they react with the air so that's another reason why a lot of people aren't making it because the dea doesn't want people to have those catalysts because you make other crazy stuff with it too um like bombs and things like that so that's that's something well, we want to stop stop stocking sorry go ahead i was going to say it's actually acetylenohydrate that's the main um hard thing to come by and it's because they also use it to make meth and a bunch of other very much, yeah. hard, you know, are what are considered to be hard drugs. Um, so it's not so much that the molecule itself is anything right. different, all that much different than THC. It's just the fact that you can make many other fun things with the precursors. And that's the problem. Actually, Marty and I were smoking on a little bit of it today. So, it, yeah, so I was just going to, I was just going to say I've smoked it. And to me, it was just like, you know, well, I, I'm a really big fan of combining some of the CB1 increasers or CB1 receptor increasers with THC. And to me, it felt very similar to that. Um, um, that uh, uh, it kind of that more euphoric kind of like more when I was like 16 and 18 and it was getting high and you kind of have that more happy, blissful experience or you know, certain terp, terp profiles kind of have that really blissful kind of experience. Um, it's kind of how it felt like, but like that, but if I did like a bunch of dabs, it felt like doing like, you know, I've actually gotten tracers or like I've gotten tracers or visuals a little bit like actual like move your hand across your face. It leaves like a little bit ghost effect or tracers. But that's after like doing like a gram of the product throughout an, like an hour, hour period. And it was affecting me definitely differently a little bit than THC, like you're saying. But. Oh, so tell me a little bit about CBNO. Uh, that's certainly one that I haven't uh, had a chance to experience yet. Yeah, it, it's drowsiness, sedation, pain relief, you know, gets rid of migraines, anti-anxiety, anti-nausea, take too much of it can cause an anxiety. And it, it, you can take it in very large doses, I guess, and not not get the effects that you could get from it's like people have been taking large doses of cbd and thc together for pain and, and nausea anxiety and they get used to it and take more and more and they start taking rso they start getting 
um, cannabis hypnosis syndrome, CHS, to where you, you almost can't even use cannabis unless you take a break for a while. And that is a real thing. And there are symptoms that you can get from other pesticides that are similar, but supposedly CBN, you can never get cannabis hypnosis syndrome from, and it gives you some of the effects that THC has, but it doesn't have you know, some of the psychoactive effects like it has the down effect of it. But yeah. if you take, if you take too much of it in your skin and absorb it or eat too much of it, instead of smoking it and you keep using it and keep using it and it builds up in your system over time, especially older and younger patients, there's been a, a reports of heart palpitations, not full AFib, but like where you get heart palpitations where you think you're AFib or having That's a heart attack. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, so. no one's ever been recorded actually AFib while so. using the product. So you ran into similar issues with the sublinguals on making them hyper bioavailable um, where there's like a speed limit. <coughs> I'm sorry. There's a speed limit to how quickly that people can up, um, uptake THC. And one second. Uh, so if you have taken too much THC too fast, especially with edibles or um, things like that. You don't have that biomechanical association like I just had there when um, we were coughing or, um, you know, the chest uh, opening and closing and expansion and, and all that. So uh, your brain just suddenly detects that your, you know, beats per minute just changed. And that can be scary for people, especially if they're not used to that. And that, that just, um, and then they, they exert their CO2. To, yeah, that kind of makes them psyched out of their mind. You know, they psych themselves out and kind of causes a, an anxiety attack in people. And when you exert your CO2, it does more to your heart. You, you Like if you keep breathing wrong and you can't get your breath straight or you don't even think about breathing and you actually have to think about it, you're either getting too much CO2 or too little and your body exerts it all too fast, hyperventilating, and then you actually could get AFib off of breathing like that long enough so people get in that panic attack mindset like you said and they end up in the hospital and they can't get their breathing under control so that there's been reports of you know breathing related issues but it seems most of them are just people are having panic attacks and it's causing them to have even more heart problems from their yeah. breathing but CBN i read a lot great. of the reports cbn is great you just have to make sure that if you're making those products that you have your dosages to where it's you kind of have the volume safety control right so like we always do no more than five milligrams per gram uh, of, of sublinguals and things like that in order to like make it so that people know that they took it because, you know, you can sedate someone with it and, 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 you know, it could not be a good situation, but right. if you're hurting or coming out of a surgery or, um, you know, uh, got injured, you're hiking or pulled your shoulder out and you just need to sleep, man, that can be your best friend. So you'd, it definitely is one of the the different, more stranger uh, cannabinoids that are out there compared to some of the other ones. And low dose CBD flower or CBG flower and CBN flower does the same effects that the high dose would of concentrate in a product. So you obviously don't even need much CBN or much CBG because the CBN and CBG flower is such a noticeable difference versus the you know not high levels of CBG and CBN flower. So they're just high in CBD you know, CBD, if, if you notice such a difference as one or 2%, then the concentrates obviously are that your, your topicals or sublinguals or any of that doesn't need to, you know, be so strong. If you notice that much with one or 2% or 5% difference in a flower, 
So I feel like it, it has its medical values at low doses. If the flower, you know, offers medical value that's high in those levels. So it's badass. Yeah, no, and CBN as well, uh, for those of you who don't know, is what THC degrades into when it's oxidized. Uh, so, um, you know, that's, that's, what, that's where CBN comes from. Um, it's just the oxidated form of THC, but again, it is more of a sedative than the other uh, cannabinoids for, for sure. Um, pull up your site here. Um, next, uh, do you want to talk about CBT? That's an alcohol-bonded cannabinoid. Those are, are much less common in terms of extraction. Sorry, you, you broke out at that second. Oh, side. no worries. I said, do you want to mention, talk about CBT? That's another one a lot of people don't know about. It's an alcohol-bonded cannabinoid that is uh, much trickier to isolate than a lot of the others. I haven't bought any. I don't have any tests on it, and I haven't used any, and I've done very little research on it. Sure. So anything I would say would just be from like notes that I have on my screen right now. Um, sure. The reason I haven't had it is because I'm trying to focus on stuff that's had tests on it, has been sold, and has been used largely because of the stuff that's coming up with the the other ones, the heart-related issues, and, um, and also the stuff that's searched for on Google that would actually have a market or people are trying to find just doing research or other sites are listing because if there's not market or people understand it, then stocking it for me, I, I can't afford to do it at the moment or else I would have one of each of these listed on the site just because I'm a geek about it. And I'd love for people to be able to experiment and have good sources that are quality. But um, what, what do you know about CBT? Because all I know about it is that people have used it. It's very similar, uh, like a, like a psychoactive effect to the THCO almost where it's uplifting, but it has all the CBD effects. So I've, I've worked on extraction of it, but I've never actually stopped and tried to smoke it. We were just more focused on isolation and, and the chemistry side of it. Um, uh, what about CBC? Is that a, one that you have worked with as well? No. Okay. How about CBG? Yes. Yeah, so I've, I've definitely done lots of work with CBG because um, I, I had friends that had lots of flower of it that was growing in his garden that had heavy CBG. But it's basically inflammation has been proven, not by FDA approved, but proven by many studies to actually fight off inflammation. A lot of them will help inflammation, make it less a little bit. Um, it's been proven high doses of CBG, CBG isolate um, direct to the site or taken orally can be similar effects to like ibuprofen in high doses. And whenever the FDA starts to prove that, I, I believe that pharmaceutical agencies are going to be blowing up and buying, you know, any anything that can be converted to CBG down the C CBD lines because they're going to be doing so much conversions. They're not going to be able to keep up with the demand because of how awesome of an you know, anti-inflammatory and also nausea. So like other ones will cause nausea in large dishes. THC causes nausea. If you eat too much of it, you can eat tons of CBG and it almost works like Zofran. So it's, and it's absorbable through the skin. Like I was saying, and it, it, it's all the other ones that do that make you really tired. It doesn't make you as tired in my opinion, in, in the times that I've used it, I haven't, you know, gotten really like any kind of sedation feeling from it, but, and I have Crohn's disease. This is why I was experimenting with large doses of it. And this is why I started it because I've been helping friends that have, you know, pains with 
you know, they have the topicals where I help my mom's knee. My girlfriend just got knee surgery, friends with back pains and skin conditions. And then I have Crohn's disease and I'm messing around with all these products, making them really, really strong and realizing that, you know, for me to you know, work with these products, they had to be two or three times stronger than it was available in a lot of the market and irregularly available, like maybe even sometimes 10 times stronger to really make a difference. But you have to be careful with certain contaminants like we just talked about. But these stronger products helped me so much that I wanted to start selling them to people. And I'm selling them at like half the price as a lot of the places are. Um, but we, we just don't have a lot of it right now because we're brand new, don't have any investors we're doing this out of pocket. We lost everything to a fire. Um, I, I lived in Marty's childhood home up in happy camp in the wilderness and we were converting it to a mushroom farm and this later fire came through and wiped us out we were converting the whole property to a commercial mushroom farm so that's pretty much where we're at now we're rebuilding with this website and we are experimenting and r and in our products before we approach an investor or a couple investors to do like thousands of each of the product and have the warehouse that we work with locally make them instead of us making them in front of a flow hood filter in our house um, in like a little room, we'll have them make it in their GMP certified facilities and then get two or three different lab tests on those huge batches. That's like our big goal with that. And then we'll move forward with having more of these cannabinoids and, you know, more access to them for people at cheaper prices. Like they can buy smaller amounts. They don't have to buy kilos of it um, as well. Yeah, do you want to um, talk to us a little bit about using cannabis for Crohn's? I know a lot of people also have, you know, IBS or Crohn's or other stomach issues and maybe haven't had a chance to, to try it for that. Cannabinoids affect your gut very similar to the way they affect your brain. Like straight up, you affect cannabinoids or you, you absorb cannabinoids in your intestines and organs. Um, not the same exact way, but they, they get absorbed and disappear. They, they know this because they radiated cannabinoids before and tracked them as they get absorbed through people on a full body scan for multiple hours and seen the guts and different parts of the you know, colon and your, your actual stomach and everything start to absorb these cannabinoids. So they're, they're like your second brain, like they actually say, and you can overdo it and cause flare ups. And you really can. So managing your, your Crohn's and not overdoing it with cannabinoids of any kind, smoking weed, eating weed, using these, these hemp-based substances, you can send yourself into almost, like I said, a CHS-like flare-up just because just you have Crohn's disease and it's not actually CHS or IBS or other things. You can, you can inflame them worse. So what I do is I eat large amounts of CBD and little bits of CBG. And I use some of our taco products that absorb fast on my stomach, on my gut quite a bit. And it actually does make a difference with inflammation. And then when I smoke and use THC, I don't do it right before bed, but I do it all day long in small amounts and not as heavy as I used to. When I dab really, really heavily, I used to dab grams a day. I could actually send myself into a flare-up and make the inflammation worse. But the biggest thing is, is just controlling the nausea and vertigo feeling, allowing me to eat more and feel like I want to eat more so that when my body is passing food well, I can gain weight and actually get food in. That's the biggest thing. So not actually using it as like treating every symptom you have, but when you're, when you're not having so many symptoms, using it to motivate you, you wake up your second brain to start eating some food. And that's a really good thing for me is, is I've gained like 80 pounds in the last three years when I was having a hard time and I was like losing 10 pounds every year, more and more getting skinnier and skinnier, already really skinny and not able to put any extra weight on. And now I'm a healthy weight. So 
that's just how it's helped me. Cool. Um, yeah, do you want to talk to us a little bit about your topicals that you were just mentioning? Well, we, we have two right now, and one is just a CBD, C CBG, and it's a heavier dose, and it's not recommended to use all the time or, you know, um, in the same spot a lot just because it has so much CBD, CBG in it. So this is like 6,000 milligrams, and it has Delta-8, and it's split between all three, Delta-8, CBG, and CBD. And Delta-8 has been said to not absorb through the skin, but our experiments and um, experiments with our friends and, and giving out examples for like a few months, it really does. And then a lot of people online are saying how much it's helped them in the last like a few years on Reddit. But there's been a couple of studies in like rats and stuff to where they test them for Delta-8 after applying Delta-8 to the rat skin in some European studies. And it was very low levels coming through where it was inefficient or not, not working at all. But for some reason, I think in people, it works totally different because it's adding that Delta 8 to it made a huge difference in anyone we've given the product to without really telling them, hey, what difference does it make? They came to us and like, whoa, what, what is this shit different? I'm like, oh, the Delta 8's in it. And they're like, I'm going to try it again, try more of it. And they got high, people were saying. So we put on it, keep out of reach of children and all the warnings on it now because you, you know, friends that use it are getting high off the product. And then the other one is a CBD Manuka honey. And we use like a, a Manuka honey that's imported because it's very antibacterial and it's 60% the Manuka honey and it's it's whipped with homogenizer until it becomes like hard and why it's being whipped and heated up. We put the other ingredients in it and the thousand milligrams of CBD and it's just cocoa butter, shea butter, Manuka honey, hemp seed oil, sweet almond oil, CBD isolate, CBD full spectrum oil in a small amount because we don't want to too much THC that's in the full spectrum on it for people that are sensitive. And then the CBD pet supplement we give to our dogs, which is this hemp seed oil. And it, it's a higher dose because dogs don't absorb CBD very well. And um, if your dog has an acidic stomach, we recommend not using it. Or if they have like stomach issues and they're burping a lot or like signs that they have, you know, heartburn, not to use it because they had a really acidic stomach using it often. And those kind of dogs has been reported to make them sick not our product so far, but doing research. And that's because it can catalyze and convert into THC in their stomach is what most of the reports are, you know, suggesting. So that in THC is very, you know, toxic to dogs in higher amounts and little bits, not a big deal as, as their organs can't keep absorbing it, it becomes very toxic. So certain dogs sensitive to CBD, certain dogs, they just absorb it. So be more careful with that product, test it with your animals. And then the CBD drops we take, and they're, you know, 2,500 milligrams to the one ounce bottle. And some people use two or three droppers at once. Some people use one and get tired. So it's just a higher dose of stuff we're offering. We're going to make more products soon, but we want to do it in like a GMP certified facility. We're just doing these few products in our house right now. And they sell out within like days of posting them usually. But, and I, I've been making like a middleman on kilos or more of CBD isolate or other cannabinoids for people that are trying to source it for their own business or help them white label through the place I work with or, or set up their own products through the place I work with as well. Awesome. I saw you also have some pet stuff as well. The oils. Do you want to talk about that in pets? We haven't had a lot of people talk about that was really CBD the, the, CB, the CBD for the dogs, the pet oil and that, that we use that for all our pets. But like I said, just some dogs, 
have been reported online and I've, I've talked to some people on Reddit and other forums that their dog's gotten sick on any CBD products they've given them and my dogs love them. And I, like I said, I really do think it's because CBD catalyzes the THC in some dog's stomachs. Like it actually well, I think, converts. But I think the bigger issue is a lot of people that are using like way too much MCT and they're, they're getting overly creative with the carrier oils at most of the people that I've seen that have had negative issues with it. It wasn't with a, a sunflower oil based product or something. It was usually a coconut based oil or, um, you know, something else that was, it wasn't necessarily the CBD. It was the, you know, whatever the carrier was. Or the full spectrum wasn't compliant and had too much THC. And I use CBD isolate in the pet one. I don't use the full spectrum because I'm trying to have just the CBD, but non-compliant full spectrum can sometimes have like five or six or 10%. So that could make a dog sick. Yep. But, for sure. Is there any other questions that you guys have for me related to the site or anything at all? Yeah, I was just clicking through here. Um, it's a brand new website. We're definitely yeah. working on it. And I've been making most of the sales off the site for anything substantial like middle manning or white labeling vape carts. But I've definitely been getting just over $1,000 or so for a brand new site off off you know, off the site a month is pretty good. And we because we've been selling out our products every month that we can make, we can afford to make right now. And then um, a lot of it, a lot of the organic traffic that comes in over 4% to 5% is converting that comes in anyone that's finding the site now. So if we can get advertising, it, you know, our goal though is to really refine our products and get a line of products that actually works and people like and are buying already and it's beneficial and not just try to throw a bunch of crap out there. So we're, before we really approach investors really hard, we're trying to get everything really worked out and perfect and you know people like everything that we have but nice now marty knows uh uh knows you pretty well too uh, did you want to talk uh, ask some other questions about the greenhouse or some other things i know that you uh, you guys work together quite a bit one thing i could say about the greenhouse before you ask is that it's pretty amazing because through the whole process instead of sitting down on paper and trying to say well, how can we make this a badass greenhouse he kind of left it open and we did it in steps and as he examined everything, instead of running into problems that you didn't see about, you know, think about on paper, we just, you know, applied a new design every, you know, every, um, every milestone that we hit, we applied a new, new part of the design to make it the most efficient or the best way for his aquaponics processes. So it ended up being really custom, really good that I don't think anyone could, you know, our engineer could have just sat down and like planned or made. So... It was really fun to just kind of go through the, you know, like the development process of, you know, not really having done this type of incorporated greenhouse. I mean, obviously we've done, uh, um, you know, Steve has done larger ones and people have done different types of systems, but I really wanted to just feel like, you know, sort of like a, a an integrated greenhouse and and it's getting there i think that you know even even though it's not turned on right now it's still growing stuff just because it's like, <laughs> like it's a good environment right and so you know like right now one of the things we're working on that we kept up a problem with is uh fish getting stuck in murdering fishes yes we were we were killing fishes <laughs> um and so we we had to turn off the pump because they, no matter what we did, they keep getting stuck. So we're going to have to build a little box around it um, and, and probably deal with that. But it's just kind of like one of those those little things that 
um, like it's been fun to develop and document kind of what we've done so far and uh, have so many people reach out to like, you know, duplicate different aspects of it. Like we had uh, one of the, um, one of the clients in our, that's taking our aquaponics class has a greenhouse that's um, he's putting up that's about the same size and is gonna do a, something a little bit similar, but with two troughs instead of just one because his greenhouse is a little wider not as long so it'll be interesting to see and what's uh, different about this design for people that are listening that don't or don't have anything so to we have one big trough that goes right through the middle of the greenhouse and this other one that we're setting up with them is going to have two troughs that'll um so he'll have two rows instead of uh just one and then connected down at the end one big main tank down at the end let me see if i can bring up some pictures of the greenhouse here somewhere. Yeah, here we go. Share my screen. So these are all just a bunch of weed pictures down here at the bottom. We should have some of the green up. Oh, no. Uh, <clears throat> second. Sorry, guys. I was looking at some of those, dude. Oh, I have a whole album of just greenhouse pictures. Marty's murdered fish. <laughs> you murdered the fishes. Yep, that's right. I think we lost about three of them too. Like we, uh -huh. we tried putting a little, just like a little and, cone around it, and it like, I don't know, oh my their God. ass, their ass end got stuck instead of their head because their ass oh. fit in the cone, their tail. Um, and the dog would like go fishing, so we had to keep the dog. <clears throat> yeah, so you can see, like, even even from the beginning, we kind of like had to change up the plan because uh, the ground was so hard. Digging this by hand was just you know, ridiculous, you know, like in the same amount of time it took me to dig this little trench right here. Um, the, he did the whole thing with this little excavator that barely fit in there, uh, but it was super cool. It only took him like, I want to say maybe 45 minutes to an hour or so Versus to go days. through there and dig the whole trench. So the, the design here is that uh, the, the trench gets shallower as you get towards this end. The main tank down here is, um, we got it, we are able to scratch it down to about, or more like chisel it down. This is kind of a rock shelf you can see right here. Um, it, it's pretty much solid rock <clears throat> once you get down a little ways. <clears throat> so we had a little trouble digging, but of course that's how I already had it designed. So, um, you know, that was just one of the many things that we ended up changing uh, along the way. We originally planned on just sort of having uh, just these runners down the side and letting the um the liner lay on the ground and <clears throat> the more we got into it the more we realized that we wanted to have more of a frame so mike went through and built this really nice frame that went through over the top to support everything 
And you can see here the, the greenhouse actually stops right here. So the main part of the fish tank uh, is designed to be to sit outside of the greenhouse and inside the little, um, just like a little carport. So it'll be a, a shaded area. So this section the, um, will be covered all the time. And then the, uh, the green, or um, excuse me, the um, beds will sit over the top or are sitting over the top. You can see here's here's my field on the beds. <clears throat> Little drain in the bottom. Here's our U siphon that we've used so many times before. So this is just flex tubing. Comes out of the bottom of the drain, bends over, and um, as long as you and when Mar Marty first tried to explain this to me, I didn't even understand it. So for those of you who are looking at it, like what the hell alien shit is that? It literally <laughs> one one when the box fills up. And it gets to a certain point to where it can push through that little shape, that little loop-de-loop. -loop. It'll start to drip and dribble through. And that drip and dribble through creates a vacuum and starts sucking the rest through. And it actually like creates a strong vacuum. Yep. Just like a bell siphon for one of the aquaponics people. So you can see here, uh, here's some of the fish we murdered. And there's a few of them left, I'm sure. But uh, um, so this just gives you an idea of... Um, you know, again, kind of the, the overall design, the fish can swim underneath through here, the water just drains back down in. Mike had the idea of running the water lines right up through the tank. So it's nice and clean, you know, even if you, even if you broke a water leak, which you probably won't because Mike put pecs on all these and it's all super clamped down and nice. But even if you did, you would just leak water right back down into the fish tank, which is nice because, you know, then you, then you don't murder all your fish at one time. You can just do it a few at once. So here's the, um, the dual root zone pots you can see getting set up uh, <clears throat> and put in there. And uh, I don't have the last pictures in here, but this is completely done. We have it covered. Um, the system's all set up and been running. I'm growing some mullein in there right now. I grew a couple of plants in there last year um, that were just sort of leftover moms that we let hang out in there. And uh, they did great too. So the system's running good and we'll have we'll have updates of it uh, going up real soon. Just getting ready to get it fired back up and cycling again once we can stop murdering fish. We'll we'll have more <laughs> updates on that uh, coming up soon. So just from temperature difference or pump no, stuff? they were getting sucked into the intake of the pump. First oh, an eyeball. Yeah. First we lost an eyeball. Like it was swimming around without its eyeball for like a few days and then nope, it died. Then the dog went fishing, got one or two maybe. And then we like fixed the pump, like no more eyeballs or heads getting sucked off. And then one's tail got sucked into the smallest little hole all of a sudden. So it's like, okay, we gotta like shut it down. We're killing all the fish. We're horrible. <laughs> A lot of people don't realize too. Um, chickens will go after baby goldfish, especially or baby koi. I've seen them go and peacocks. Oh, will go after them. As people will keep those, and then they'll they'll be like, "Oh, my koi had babies," and then they end up with like three out of the the group of them because the birds pick them off. So you got to be careful. Um, but uh, but yeah. So um, what uh, uh, any other changes this year for the greenhouse, or um, what type of soil are you using for your soil mix? 
Um, it's from a local place here. Actually, I went with this time. I had some stuff from the co-op last time. Um, and it wasn't very good. Basically, it came with fungus gnats, which were super annoying for a long time. Hard to get rid of. I mean, not like super hard to get rid of, but mostly just annoying. Especially when you pay for soil, you know, you want it to be better. But I think it's called mana mix or something like that. It comes from a local place here that, you know, basically they are, you know, just uh, doing mixes for uh, cannabis growers specifically. And they're nice enough to leave out some of the ingredients of their mix that are high in nitrogen. Uh, so that's nice for us because obviously we want to keep that down as much as possible. And uh, those are going into 15 gallon dual root zone pots and the bottom of those are filled up with um, lava rock already. So you know, you're probably getting about, you know, seven gallons of soil or so per, per plant. And that works out or so there, we'll probably grow them to about seven feet tall or so, which kind of goes by by. My general rule of thumb is at least a gallon of soil per foot tall um, or wide, depending on you're scrying them out or spreading them out or whatever. Uh, and that's a minimum for my dual root zone pots. I would, if I was doing just soil, I would obviously go more than that, but that's my, that's kind of my general rule of thumb for dual root zone. Cool. And yeah. Yeah. using lava, lava rock, which is cool to me, instead of buying all the other more expensive options. Yep. Yeah, lava That's rock is great. Especially if you're on the West Coast, it's a lot cheaper. can be a little a bit harder cheaper. to come by in Oklahoma, <laughs> but still cheaper than the, the other stuff. Also gives you some silica, you know, the as the pH gets lower in the system, you know, does kind of release a little bit of silica into the system as well. Um, if you're looking for basilica too, definitely check out that uh, that new one that Bioag has. They were on last week uh, on Thursday. It was definitely a good episode. If you guys uh, didn't check that out, especially if you're into aquaponics, I was peeping on you guys trying to check out what I was getting myself into, and I watched the whole episode. Mm. <laughs> nice. Cool. What have you been up to, Steve? Uh, I've been working on all kinds of stuff. Just working on getting the edibles back into the market up here in Oklahoma. Um, working on a project actually out near you in Oregon, uh, actually not super, well, kind of between you and Portland, um, out there. So, uh, working on some planning for that project and, uh, what else do I got going on right now? Um, there's some funny shit happened today, but I can't talk about it. Uh, what else? Uh, Oh yeah, Georgia. Uh, so Georgia's coming along. Um, they've gotten a, a lot more progress gone down there um, with the classroom and just further building out that that grow. Um, so the I'll be back out there sometime in July, August, or September. Not quite sure when. Uh, and then um, at some point here, uh, you know, uh, probably a quick trip over the across the pond again to to visit Africa. I know there's definitely some some interesting things that are I think in the works for the beginning of next year for a uh, a cool trip with some cool people that uh, I, I'm sure will be uh, made more public here in the future, but uh, definitely some cool stuff going on uh, behind the scenes that you guys are going to like. Um, and then also just uh, working on getting my slide decks ready for the regen conference out here in Oklahoma, the cultivation or supernatural conference called organic cultivators.net. 
Uh, and then also my presentation for the one up in Washington for the Mycelliate Festival. Uh, and then also working on some mushroom stuff, um, working with a friend of mine on doing some processing of, of uh, lion's manes and some other stuff on um, trying to take some of the tech that I have from the cannabis side and working on that with some of the, the non-psychedelic stuff. So that's been pretty cool. Um, what else have I been working on? Mostly just that. I have a couple of other, there's one other grow project I got going on out here right now. Um, that bigger project I was working on, uh, the, uh, yeah. <laughs> now let's just say that not everyone likes to listen to, to good instructions and we'll leave it at that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so <laughs> they learned this week. It's okay. Um, but we do have a, a bunch of cool stuff in the works and, um, yeah, some cool guests we have that uh, I just got to fin finish figuring out what date they're going to come on. Uh, and then also working on planning the the new region or the new aquaponics conference. We have um, the aquaponics conference down in um, uh, that we're going to be hosting again this year, the third annual virtual aquaponic cannabis conference. I'm definitely going to do a little bit different structure this year um, and uh, probably stick to 12 hours uh, rather than the 14 hours uh, that we had just because of video editing reasons. There was some some stuff Holy issues cow. 14 so, hours yeah we did 14 yeah, hours last year each Whoa. day it was quite a we had a lot of people i think we had 28 28 talks across terabytes of footage yeah it was a lot so i think we're going to stick to 12 hours just because it doesn't screw with the video editing software so much um so that's that's going to happen and then i think we're going to also do like a uh, kind of separate the talks a little bit more and have like a uh, different categories for the different speakers. So kind of have like a uh, commercial producer category and a more scientific and research category. And then like an education category. We have some cool speakers lined up for this year already. We're still working on filling the schedule. If you're interested in speaking, um, you can fill out the application. It's right here in the link in the description of this podcast. Um, we have people from around the world. Uh, so it's a really cool, uh, experience. I'm definitely excited to have some of the, see some updates from some of the people in, uh, across the pond uh, as well. We got some neat people that are going to be coming back uh, this year. Uh, and um, yeah, just kind of working on that, um, working on the pest control class. So I've been working on that and getting that together. Um, a lot of people have been asking me when you're going to release the advanced aquaponics class I used to teach um, on the vegetable side. So uh, instead of just having just that, uh, I thought it'd be cooler to break it down into the different sections. So we have like a pest control section. The next class that we're going to release is the uh, minerals and microbes class. Uh, and then we'll release the aquaponics design and um, basics course. Um, so, uh, but I think a lot of people already have the basic stuff down. So they just need the, the more complicated stuff. So um, it's geared towards all aquaponic and living soil. It's not specific to aquaponics exclusively, um, but we do kind of uh, make sure everything is fish safe. So you can use anything in the presentation. It's not going to kill your fish or anything like that. And it'll also be compliant to state regulations. And, you know, most states, I don't think we have anything on there that's restricted. Uh, I'll have to go back and check, but I don't think there's any anything in there that's restricted in any any state currently. Um, yep, check, you know, maybe some countries like the EU might be picky about one or two things we have in there, but uh, otherwise uh, everything in there is a good safe biocontrol in terms of safety. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy the class. Really, it's actually longer than the original uh, cannabis class was, the first cannabis class that I taught. Uh, so it's, it's very extensive um, and uh, I think you guys are going to really uh, get a lot out of it if you're looking for that type of thing. So 
Um, uh, again, we'll be releasing a bunch. I have a ton of all these classes that I've done. I'm just kind of updating them and personalizing them. And we'll get, be kicking those out on a regular basis here uh, uh, over the course of the rest of the year. And then also working on a book on um, um, aquatics and KNF with some other people um, that will hopefully be released uh, before the end of the year. So a lot of, a lot of stuff going on right now. That's crazy. I couldn't even remember all that. If I was here, you're making me feel lazy. I mean, I also do the, uh, APMJNutes.com with Roger from uh, true aquaponics. And we, we manage a whole bunch of different aquaponics facilities around the country as well. If you guys do need fish safe or, you know, so living soil safe nutrients, we do have everything over there. We have a metal test, everything and all that. So it's all, you know, you're not going to get an issue with any of our products and that kind of stuff. You guys help with dosing too, right? Not just sourcing. Absolutely. Yeah. You can either buy the nutrients from us yourself and dose what you want to, uh, or we can do all the dosing for you. Uh, we'll test your water once a month uh, or twice a month if you want to go do it that route and then uh, send you customized dosing packets. Uh, you, you either dose every week or every other week, depending on uh, which subscription service that you sign up for. So yeah, it really helps kind of automate that whole portion of nutrients on a customized level that's specific to your crops your time of year that you're growing uh, and any of the other factors that you may have for your farm. How do you feel about putting a worm box right over the, the pool in Marty's greenhouse or right over to the reservoir and having the, the leche or whatever you would call the water, the compost water coming right into the reservoir, just you just open a valve and it drains right in out of like the, the worm bin. I think that's fine. Um, I think if you're doing it on a really big scale, it'd be a little bit hard to balance if you were doing it like a, a massive, massive scale. But I think certainly at a smaller scale, it'd be much easier to, to figure out and work out. And I think it works just fine. I know Marty's had a lot of success with it over the years and uh, I don't see anything that's wrong with one, it. Um, yeah, the dose like that on my front porch uh, to where it would, it would just kick on, I want to say once, maybe twice a day and would pump some of the tank water into the worm bin and it would just drain back down into the tank. So it was just on a separate pump, like a little tiny aquarium pump. Um, and it worked really well. So crazy. we wanna we wanna do it on a on a larger scale. So we wanna set one of those up for the in the greenhouse system. And I, I actually want to set one up on uh, the flower system indoor too. So that would be dope. I'm going to eat another piece of candied bacon. I'm pretty messed up already, but. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What, uh, what cultivars are you growing right now, Marty? I'm growing all those weird ones from Josh. I can't remember what the. Oh, uh, did you guess? You got the. Um, they're like dosey liquor and Coke sniffer and. The dosey, the, I got the Soto Whoa. Project, the Soto Project seeds right here. The root beer uh, chem dog special reserve. So super stoked on that. In fact, I had a um, uh, friend of mine come over the other day who like is a local grower and he, we had electrical issues and he came over and, and helped us with our electrical stuff at the house and gave him, you know, uh, 10 of those seeds to, as a thank you and, and helped him out. So um, I'm glad to help spread those seeds around. And uh, especially when you can have somebody help you out at the same time, it's always good. We had, um, we had a big storm the other day and it ri basically ripped the, the power lines off the pole most of the way. 
uh, and they're barely holding on and we had to come have them repair it afterwards. And then the, there was so much rain that the truck, the bucket truck got stuck. And then the backhoe that came to get the bucket truck out got stuck. So they ended up digging out like what looks like a World War One battlefield out in the, the back alley. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it kept getting, you know, they were both just super, super stuck in the super deep mud. That was just way, you know, way deeper than any of the tires for even the, the, uh, the backhoe was. So it was pretty comical, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was weird. We had, uh, the computers kept turning off and on and I kept thinking there was a weird video sh- or power short or could not figure out why all the electronics were acting like they were possessed all day. And then, Come to figure out that I noticed the LEDs were not as bright. So we tested the voltage and it was like, oh shit, the power isn't very high in the house. So that was kind of a, an interesting one to figure out. But, uh, you know, that's the kind of shit that happens. I'll do it. Got any other, um, any like uh, pests that you're hearing a lot about this year yet? Aphids is always. Oh, at least around here is always a big one. Um, I haven't seen too many uh, caterpillars out yet, but I would imagine those things are here in the oak trees. We do get like these little tiny, like inchworms that come down out of the canopy. So if you're just straight outdoor, that can be an issue. But um, they're they're big enough to physically separate in a greenhouse type scenario so I, I they're not too big a deal but you know i feel like every year no matter what we always end up having to deal with aphids outside like just gotta do it um i had 80 i had 84 sorry i interrupted you no i'm sorry go ahead What's up, Mike? i had 84 types of cordyceps going on your in your old farm, family farm i was hoping to start experimenting with like trying to get bugs to eat the cordyceps using some of the stamens methods and like trying to to make my my rice or uh, other forms of spawn you know attractable to bugs to just come start mowing down on cordyceps spore and cordyceps you know living mycelia would be sweet yeah, man, that, a lot of that stuff was really cool. Like, I really missed, like, your bus and, like, all the stuff you had going on in there. And the, you know, basically, like, your little mobile mycology lab. <coughs> uh, that, that stuff would have been, been really cool. It was sad to see that get burned up. Um, that, was, that was a rough one. But, yeah, actually, uh, Steve has worked with... Um, when he was in Africa, he was doing some of that um, stuff with the, what was the, I forget the abbreviation of it now, but basically it's the Korean natural farming um, version of like breaking down the pest bodies uh, to use them back against them, right, Steve? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So we were basically made a IPMO, which is indigenous, predi- uh, indigenous predatory microorganisms where you take we talked about this a little bit in the last um, episode, and uh, I'm going to be talking about this specific topic up at um, the the conference coming up uh, in, in Oklahoma, um, the Supernatural Conference. But basically, you replace a third of your rice collection with insect frass, and ideally from your target insect if you can, um, and then um, mix that all together, put that out, and do your regular IMO collections, and then convert that into IMO2. 
uh, and then you can use that right away or you can take that collection and then mix um, uh, like a five to ten percent of your IMO3 mix, your brand, uh, as um, uh, insect frass, and you can actually propagate it out as an IMO3 uh, or even an IMO4, um, and then utilize that into a liquid IMO if you have time. Uh, if you don't have time, just go straight to IMO2 and, and mix it in and, and run with it. You know, a lot oftentimes people are panicking when they have insect problems and they don't want to wait very long. Um, so that definitely can be the faster solution, but um, yeah, it works really well, especially for larger arthropods. It really seems to work much better for grasshoppers and beetles uh, and larger in insects than it does the smaller stuff. Um, so, you know, it kind of gives you a weapon that, that you don't normally have. You know, there isn't stuff that really targets those larger insects, you know, reliably. And it kind of definitely gives you something else in your toolbox when you're, you are fighting those types of insects. Very cool. Badass. It will kill your bees, though. <laughs> so be mindful of that. So use with yeah, discretion. Important, important to know, for sure. Well, guys, I, I appreciate both your time, but I, I got to go put uh, a kid to bed. It's getting about that time. So uh, appreciate you guys, Mike. I'll obviously see you soon. Steve, probably text you soon. Yeah. And, uh, make sure you uh, uh, check out EP Meds on YouTube, on Instagram, all that fun stuff in the class uh, over on Teachable. And uh, thanks, guys. I'll talk to you later. Yep. Marty later. finally hung out for a whole episode. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Heck yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I think we'll wrap up the show on that note. Um, uh, Mike, do you want to tell everybody how to find you? It's hexacart.org. It was hexacart.org. And you could also find us on Facebook or find me by my name, Michael Wilborn. But we're going to be on all social platforms soon and the site's getting reworked, but you can log in with Facebook and other services soon. Um, so you could just go in and if you can log in or register, you could just click on Facebook and there's going to be a form where people can talk about the products or just anything CBD related on it soon too. So we're going to have a full form on it, but thanks for having me. It was great. And I can't believe all the crazy stuff you're doing with the workshops, classes, and the businesses. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot to juggle, but it's fun. You kind of get used to it. When, once you like kind of give up and just start living and breathing weed all day, then, you know, you yeah. end up doing all kinds of stuff and you, you never stop working. That's the downside is a, a 40 hour week turns into a 70 hour week, but that's okay. Um, here you go. You guys can check out Marty and I's classes at apmjclass.com um, as my cat destroys the box in the corner. <laughs> um, uh, we have a whole large uh, list of different uh, courses in there. We have over uh, 600, actually over, over 700 talks now. Uh, it'll be over a thousand by the time we finish getting all the content that we have recorded, uh, uh, uploaded and edited. Um, so it is uh, quite a bit of class and we're always adding new stuff to it. You know, it's an ever expanding course that um, uh, you know, we've been working on for many years now. Uh, and then you can also check out the organiccultivators.net if you want to check out the uh, in-person uh, course out here in um, uh, Oklahoma. We have a wonderful um, conference coming up. I'll be speaking there. Uh, we'll have uh, Wendy Kornberg, Chris Trump, Ben Acadia, myself, uh, Jance Riviera, Dan Kittredge, um, uh, Patrick King, Kevin Jodry, 
um, Susan Wainwright Evans, uh, Janet Beckerman, a whole bunch of other awesome people. So definitely come out. Um, we'll have an after after party thing each night at Ace of Eights, which is a friend of mine's um, uh, smoking lounge out in OKC near there. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have dabs there from um, Synergy Hashco and a whole bunch of other co- uh, cool people. So uh, definitely come check it out. And there's also a workshop for on insects with uh, Suzanne Wainwright uh, on Thursday. So if you want to check that out, you can still buy tickets to that online. I believe they're getting close to filling up that course as well. So if you're wanting to come out, I know there'll be a seed swaps going on and a tinfoil hat competition and all kinds of fun stuff. So, and then we also have the um, Myceliate the Festival put on by uh, Cass, who was on the, the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she's super awesome. Uh, check that episode out as well. Uh, August 19th, 20th, and 21st, it's about an hour south of Seattle. Uh, I'll be there speaking with uh, Chris Trump, uh, Dustin Powers of Future 4200, Molly of Molly's Bottle Shop, uh, Cass uh, Posey will be speaking there on, on mycology. Uh, Matt Powers will be there speaking about uh, regenerative um, uh, education and, and, and other awesome stuff. He's a great guy. Uh, Catherine Seidman uh, and, uh, and a whole bunch of other great people. Uh, I know that uh, there's over 30 speakers now um, that she hasn't had a chance to upload them all. Uh, it's going to be a really cool event. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. So um, definitely check all that stuff out. And uh, we'll be back again next week. Um, we have, uh, I don't know who's, I don't remember who's on yet next week, but we will have episodes next week. Uh, and then the week after we'll have our 300th episode. So um, I got to figure out something cool for that one. Cause I haven't quite figured that out yet, but I'm, I assure you we'll do something fun. I know. Episode 100 was quite the bash. We had a whole heck of a lot of cool people. Uh, episode 200 was even cooler. So uh, we'll see what we can cook up. So thanks everybody for watching. And uh, we will catch you guys again next week. And uh, thanks for listening and have a good one. You can find us on your favorite podcast app.